0: if you borrow money from carbon it is your right for me to post your credit history and share that with the bureau so that you can also have access to better loans from maybe gt maybe access because they're saying you have borrowed money from carbon you've done really well i'm going to give you a loan that's how we see it but the fintechs i say well i'm not going to share information because it's mine it's not really theirs. it's your data So Mm. they should actually share that with with everyone. And personally, I would not want to take a loan from an institution that is not willing to report my data. But I'll tell you something, those fintechs that complain that the bureaus are too expensive and they won't share it. I bet you they will share it if you're bad.
1: That was Tijoke Duzier, co-founder and CEO of Carbon. On this episode of the TechPoint Africa podcast, he speaks on Nigeria's low credit penetration and why fintech think their collaborations are tough to execute. Before we get into that, here are some stories that made the headlines in African tech. Disha will we temporarily suspend its services on Friday March 31, 2024. Founded in 2019, Disha provides a no-code tool for African creatives to manage their online presence. In 2021, it was acquired by Flutterwave. Shortly after announcing it would be shutting down, no date has been given for a resumption of its services. But customers have been encouraged to transfer their files. While one business could be shutting down, another is in the process of being acquired. Nigerian new bank Fair Money is reportedly in talks to acquire Kenyan fintech Omba in a 20 million deal. While conversations are still in the early stages, if it goes through, Fair Money would have an easier entrance into the Kenyan market fintech licenses are notoriously hard to get. It would also be second acquisition in less than a year after it acquired PayForce in a deal rumored to be around $20 million. In Nigeria, authorities are reportedly planning to block crypto platforms in a bid to control the rapid decline of the Naira. Numerous Binance users have reported being unable to access the website without a VPN connection. While Ruben Moka, the Director of Public Affairs at the National Communications Commission, says he's unaware of any directive from the NCC, sources within major telcos say they've been directed to cut off access to crypto platforms. Nigeria's Ministry of Communications, Innovation and Digital Economy plans to connect all 774 local governments in the country to the internet. Last year, the ministry launched the 3 million tech talent program to train tech talent across the country, and connecting all 774 local governments will ensure it achieves this objective. Now let's listen to the conversation.
0: My name is Chijo Kidozi and I'm a co-founder of Carbon. Carbon is a credit-led digital bank operating in Nigeria, serving customers and SMEs.
1: There's There's a prevailing notion that Nigerians are credit averse, and we would rather save up to get a product than take a loan to get it. What's your take on that?
0: I don't think Nigerians are credit averse per se. I think they are averse to taking loans from financial institutions. We see a lot of Nigerians borrow money from friends and family. That's probably the biggest channel of borrowing right now in Nigeria. EFINA's Access to Financial Services survey in 2023 said that 6% of Nigerian adults have borrowed money from a financial institutions. At the same time, 52% of Nigerians have used uh, a payments instrument from a financial institution and 38% have done savings. So Nigerians are using bank accounts, they're using you know, wallet, etc., for payments, for savings, but they're not borrowing from these institutions. And the reason is, friends and family is free money. When I say free money, it's interest-free money. And there isn't a strict timeline to pay back. I think that's why you're seeing them still use friends and family as an option. Okay. Are there some lessons from this that you're taking into building Kabul? The only lesson is probably speed and convenience. So when we created what was then called the Paylater app, you could borrow money any time of the day, anywhere in Nigeria, 24-7. So you didn't have to wait to go into the bank branch and see your manager. You could just do it at a, at your convenience anywhere in the in the country. That's what we've taken from from that whole, why people are born from friends and family. But other than that, we, we haven't found a way to, to mimic the interest-free element of friends and family. All right.
1: So 2012, you decided to start Carbon. What was then pay later? Nobody was giving out loans, and nobody was giving it out in a day or less. You had to go to a bank, fill out a lot of forms in order for you to get loans. What was the initial reaction from bankers especially,
0: and from customers? So a funny story was that, when we started out in 2012, we had some equity we were using to lend. But we were going to banks to see if we can borrow money from the banks so we can on lend And the bankers were always in disbelief. And they said, "Will people pay back. They just couldn't believe that people would pay back. And I found it interesting that, you know, the banks trust you to give them money, but they don't trust you at all to give you money. So it's like, I'm happy to take your money, but I don't trust you. But how to take your money what was also interesting was every time we'd go and pitch to bankers, we'd get a call when we get back to the office, oh, could you send an agent to come and you know, process a loan for me? These are bankers. So at one point, 30% of our loan book were bankers. So they didn't believe people were trustworthy, but they wanted us to trust them. And we did, and we gave our loan. So, yeah, so there's always that disbelief. I think when we moved to pay later and when we moved to the digital app, Nigerians did not trust that somebody that they've never seen would be willing to give them a loan. So if you actually go to our Facebook page and go all the way back to 2016, scam. You see all kinds of things. People are saying, it's not true. And it was only when people started getting these loans, they were like, wow, this is actually true. So I think initially disbelief, resistance, but when we saw it was actually credible, then people changed okay
1: so earlier you mentioned that just six percent of nigerians were able to get a loan or got a loan from a financial institution
0: in the last 12 months what do you think are the biggest barriers to lending in nigeria i think banks are willing to supply loans to their customers and and it really should be easy for them because they know who we are they've banked us for years so they know inflow or outflow and i think the reason why banks are unwilling to supply loans is because they're not confident of the credit infrastructure so there isn't enough deterrence for people not to pay back it's easy for people to default and try and get away with it yeah. because we don't have a credit system in nigeria we don't have a system where for instance because i have a credit score any financial institution should be able to look at my number and say because you have let's say 800 or 750, I can give you maybe a very cheap loan. But if you are 640, I'll give you a higher price loan. And also people who are making decisions, so even your landlady, even your employer, or a telco, anyone who's providing services, should be able to look at your score and say, because of this score, I'm going to give you X or deny you Y. When individuals actually realize that there are consequences for defaulting on loans, that affects other parts of their lives, then, they'll behave better, and they'll probably repay back, and then banks will be willing to, to lend. Because when you, look, when you look around the world, banks make money by giving out loans. Not, they, they don't make money by deposits and fees. They make money by loans. And that's why there's an article about new banks, digital banks, whether they're ever going to be profitable, because most digital banks don't give loans. They just It's payments. But when you look at the biggest banks in the world, it's all credit. So Nigerian banks they'll be a lot more profitable if they actually could give out loans in Nigeria.
1: All right. So speaking of deterrent to bad borrowers, the, the CBN launched the Global Standard Instructions in 2020. And the idea is that if you owe a bank, that bank can make a call with other banks and retrieve their loans yeah. if you have funds in other accounts. But that hasn't been extended to fintechs yet. And some people feel that that is a kind of a major problem for fintechs who have to lend money to consumers. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Do you think it's necessary for fintechs to be covered under that, especially considering the fact that even for the banks, they still have to prove that a loan that they want to recall
0: is actually a bad loan. So how do you think? That should work. First and foremost, I think CBN wants regulated institutions to have access to GSI. Mm, okay. And you know, there's a reason for that because regulated institutions adhere to CBN standards. Yeah. All fintechs are not equal. We get tagged, fint, you know, carbon is a regulated entity, we're regulated by CBN. Yeah. So yes, we are a fintech, but we're regulated versus there's some digital lenders that are not regulated and they do all kinds of things. So I think that's a challenge. I think that relying on GSI is not enough. I I think as a lender, if I have to rely on collections, then I've sort of lost. When we give out a loan, we we use our algorithms and and do credit scoring. We hope that you're not going to default. Because if we think, okay, we're going to default, and we're going to rely on collection, that's not a great lending strategy because collections also cost money. So, GSI is a comforting product, but I don't think if CBI made it available to fintechs, I don't think it will change that much, change people's behavior that much. Bad borrower is a bad borrower, regardless. I might just decide to take out all my money from proper financial institutions and put it into a fintech that is not covered by that GSI umbrella. Okay, so what do you think is a better way to solve this problem? I think, personally, making, let's say, your credit behavior public is a better deterrent. I'll give you an example. If you are in Nigerian and you have a passport and you want to travel, every embassy is going to do a credit check on you because you're going to their country and you're telling them that you have enough money to look after yourself and you will not depend on any of their resources, right? No. But then if you if you owe two million naira, they're gonna say, Well, how'd I trust you if In Nigeria, you you have money that you can't afford to pay. So what we see a lot is a lot of our customers who have passports and who who want to apply for visas, etc., they tend to be good borrowers because they know that an embassy is going to check their visas. Even scholarships. We had a customer once who got a scholarship to the U.S. and they wanted a clean credit report. Unfortunately, he didn't have one. So that, that was a challenge. And I even think about it from if you were hiring somebody and you had two equal candidates, and you just said, let me just see your credit report. Two equal candidates, and one candidate had five defaults, and she was owing money from so many institutions. And you had another candidate, and either she had no credit history, or she had borrowed money, but she had paid everything back. Who you choose? <laughs> Everything has been equal. One Mm. who has a history of owing people and is in default, has written off loans, and another potential candidate where she has paid off her loans, everything is great. I think I'll go with the person who has a good credit. Exactly. So now imagine you're going to rent a place and your landlady says, I want to see your credit history. If you now realize that every important junction in my life, somebody's going to ask for a credit history, Mm. you're more likely going to behave right? So, so that's what we need. I think in Nigeria, we need to get our credit history to become more integrated in, into our life, getting a phone. Unfortunately, we have prepaid lines, but if we had postpaid lines and MTN or Airtel said, I want to see your credit history. And because I'm going to give you a postpaid line, your cost of calls will be cheaper than if you had to do prepaid, then you will start thinking it pays for me to have good behavior. So that's what we need to have because that's what other countries have.
2: On March 14, 2023, TechPoint Africa will be hosting a workshop for business owners, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, startup founders, and legal and compliance teams from any industry. At the workshop, we'll be discussing the five biggest hiring and employment mistakes that can lead to litigation, penalties, and loss of funds, and also how to avoid them. Facilitating this workshop is Omori Edo is a startup attorney and lead partner at E&C Legal. Register to learn how to catch loopholes that can increase your chances of litigation, how to assess your workforce to know whether it is legally compliant, how to spot the warning signs of an employee that will get you into legal trouble, and how to do proper documentation that will give you a defense during legal challenges. To register, click on the link in the description or go to beat.ly forward slash three capital letter U capital letter J capital letter Z capital letter C small letters C, zero. I'll take that again. l y forward slash three capital letter U, capital letter J, capital letter Z, capital letter C, small letter C, zero.
1: So, the credit bureaus have a huge role to play in this. Absolutely. But a lot of index do not con- connect with them. And one reason I've heard is that the credit bureaus get your data from you for free and then they sell it back to you at um, higher cost. Mm. So, how can we, because what you say it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but how can we ensure that that gets into the mainstream of uh, of our life as a, as a society? How can we ensure that the credit bureaus play a bigger role in,
0: in helping um, fintechs and helping lending? A lot of fintechs use that argument. And I don't buy it because we had to do it in, in Carbon from day one. We had to use the credit bureau. From a fintech company's perspective, I think they're thinking about it the wrong way around. If you borrow money from carbon, it is your right for me to post your credit history and share that with the Bureau so that you can also have access to better loans from maybe GT, maybe mm. Access, because they're saying, you have borrowed money from Carbon, you've done really well, I'm going to give you a loan. That's how we see it. But the fintechs are saying, I'm not going to share information because it's mine. It's not really there. It's, it's your data. So mm. they should actually share that with everyone. Personally, I would not want to take a loan from an institution that is not willing to report my data. But I'll tell you something. Those fintechs that complain that the bureaus are too expensive and they won't share it, I bet you they will share it if you are bad. So if you if you default, they'll report that to the credit bureau. If you're good, they'll keep it to themselves. Hurting the customer, because now that customer, no one knows that you're good or not. When we launched free credit reports at Carbon, the first two days, and this was years ago, we got inundated with customers who were complaining, not about Carbon, but that they had borrowed money and they they didn't see any any of that history in their credit report. And for me, it's like, if you come and I see a history of loans and good performance, I'm more likely to give you a better loan. And I think for us, at Carbon, we have taken that philosophy, that attitude that it's our customer's right that her good or bad behavior is shared with the whole ecosystem so that she has access to more loans or better loans because for us a carbon we, we have a limit to how much we can give now gto access can give her more and if they see that she's taken, wow, she's been at Carbon for two years, taking all these loans, and maybe she also banks with GTN Access. The fact that they are willing to give her a better loan, I think that's a good job that Carbon has done for that customer. So I, I don't really support that, that whole attitude of, I don't want to share with the credit bureaus. Maybe another fintech company should start a credit bureau <laughs> and make it cheaper. Seriously. I, and I think there's, ro- there's definitely a role for more credit Can't bureaus. So while I sympathize a little bit with the cost, it's almost like pay to play if you want to be in this space. And as a lender, you also need information from the credit bureau, right? You also need to know, okay, this person I'm going to give a loan to, has she borrowed from anyone else and has not paid back before I make a mistake. And all of that affects your pricing. And so that's also the reason why pricing of loans is high because you you don't know if you're gonna get your money back. So you have to price it in a way that covers your costs. And and, and that cost includes cost of default and cost of collection. Mm.
1: That's a refreshing way to look at it. and I'm just wondering, considering you have a difference of opinion from a lot of index, it's just
0: somewhere that regulation comes into play. So CPN actually stipulates that to give out loans, you must check with two credit bureaus. There are three. So you have to actually check two credit bureaus. That's what we've always done. And again, this is the whole thing about you can't have, I want GSI, I want all these goodies, and then yet I'm not, I'm not going to do all these things. So that's um, why some of us are regulated and some of us are not.
1: Mm. Okay. So speaking of, you haven't mentioned it, but this looks like a case of fintechs not wanting to really work together. In the last two, three years, we've had increased cases of fraud, either for fintechs or for banks. Mm. And there has also been increased rates of default. There were a few fintechs in the last one year that they posted really good growth, but their inability to like recover loans was a major problem. We've also seen some moves or, or some conversations around, building collaborations to fight fraud, but nothing really happens. After a while, you can't hear those conversations again, yeah. but you just say, oh, this is in the works, but... Never comes out. What do you think is the missing ingredient in conversations about fixing fraud or fighting fraud among
0: fintechs? You're right. The, there's the willingness or the desire to want to work together, but I think execution is lacking. Mm-hmm. I think standards is really important. There is reasons why banks collaborate better because they they all have the same similar standards. They're all regulated by CBN. They all have a set of ratios and metrics they have to meet. With fintechs, it's not the same. Everyone who creates an app is a fintech company. And then I already told you that there are some fintechs that will not use a credit bureau. And there's some of us like us that will. There's some of us that are regulated by CBN that have audited accounts. Some of us are not. Some of us use IFRS 9 for impairments. Some of us don't know what what that, that means. And then of course, some of us, even the funding we take, we have different expectations. You've taken money at a crazy valuation and you have to grow into that valuation. So are you going to maybe onboard people without BVN or without NIN because you just need to grow and show numbers? And there's some of us who CBN will look at it and say, I-, I need to see the KYC documents for these people. If you have a group where there's such a wide variety of standards to agree on collaboration, because I'm going to agree to a set of standards. I have my standards. I'm looking at a potential partner who I'm just saying, love well, of your customers? You don't have BVN for them. Or when you need to collect money from them, you send crazy SMSs or WhatsApp messages threatening them or threatening their contact. That's not who Carbon is or I want to associate with myself. The banks are different because they have a set of standards and CBN can enforce. I think with fintechs, we don't really have that sort of central body where we can all say, okay, we will all audit our statements. If you think about what happened with the virtual cards, where I think what was that company? Was it Union 54 or so? Yeah. It enabled a lot of fintechs to provide virtual cards uh, for, for their own customers, but not every single fintech virtual card um, provider had the same standards, so some people had crazy chargebacks, some didn't, but it affected everyone. So I think we have to be honest with ourselves until we have a similar set of standards. And maybe the solution for fintechs is a group of fintech companies that are very similar, started off and then onboard people as they come. But to say, let's all have a party and let everyone come in with different standards, is going to be challenging. CBN as a regulator is a neutral third party. The fintech community don't really have one. Bad. Okay. So considering
1: you have your own standards and there if you other fintechs, they have these standards, what's the role of partnerships between fintechs and banks in order to expand the credit market?
0: It's a tough one because honestly, if you look at other countries, take America, for instance, a lot of fintechs, there's a great partnership in the sense that the banks realize that there are certain areas that they cannot reach and they want to reach. So they use fintech. So if you look at some of the companies like a firm even cabbage that were originating sme loans they would go out they would lend to smes but the money is coming from a jp morgan or another bank in nigeria we don't have that so in a perfect world carbon will not have a balance sheet we will just originate loans from customers we'll do the credit scoring and then go and sell our loans to Access or GT, they'll give us money back and we'll go and acquire more. Maybe we'll take a first loss to say, okay, because we're the ones making the decision and we're saying that you are a good borrower. So access or first bank, I'll take a 20% loss so that you don't take any bad losses, etc. And we'll just keep on recycling that money. That would be a great partnership. Again, I, I think it's also because when there's no trust in the system and there's no enforcement and there's no standards, it's very hard for a bank to say, I'm going to trust this company with a billion naira, two billion naira. i don't know what kind of customers they're bringing in i don't know whether they're doing all the compliance checks so that's the challenge with partnerships what banks will will do they're happy to provide virtual accounts and yes put your money with them that's what they're happy to do but to then say i'm going to give you my balance sheet very few banks i'm not saying it does not happen it does happen for instances but you will find that in those cases where they do The fintech company is probably regulated. I know in one instance there's one that is regulated and they have very similar standards to the bank. And in America, because compliance is high, it's easy for JP Morgan and the likes of Goldman to be doing those kinds of transactions with fintech because if you mess up with JP Morgan, you know that you're not going to have any access anymore in in the market. Nigeria is one where, unfortunately, you might mess up with one partner and you you go and do do it to others because no one shares information and there's there's very little trust in the system
1: Mm -hmm. okay so i'll read out a tweet that you made a while back it was a response to someone Mm -hmm. so he said if that is the case that credit is needed to create trust then fair however there's a risk that customers keep you as a credit provider only after Waikonga and Jumia were enabling COD, Nigerians were buying off ASOS, paying with their cards. Mm-hmm. This was a conversation about fintechs not using credit as a customer acquisition strategy. And I know that you've gone from just offering credit alone to now offering uh, banking services, personal banking services. Yeah. What do you think about that? When you guys were launching um, the personal banking services and, and now business banking, was there any fear that your users or your customers would not use the personal banking services? And how has that played
0: out since then? Look, I don't think there's any fear. I think it was a natural extension. Um, we're, we're, we were realistic in the sense that we didn't believe that the customers will just switch completely to us. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the flow, if I give you a loan, when we didn't have any personal banking services, I, if I give you a loan, I'd actually send the money to your. Bank account. So it's gone. You've done one transaction and you're out. I'll only see you when you repay. Then, when we started offering wallet services, etc., then I put the money in your, in your carbon wallet and then we had airtime and things and transfers and, use, and it was free transfers at the time. Then you would be like, since I'm here, I'm going to buy some airtime. I'm going to you know, use bill payments because it's free here, whereas I will, I will not pay that into Switch 100 Naira charge and I can transfer some money to people directly. So we've already seen that that usage so it, it was natural extension i think when we started offering savings that was the question mark what people save with their lender and we've seen good uptake of our savings product i think when we started we wanted to be a low-cost financial services provider but in the sea of and you have to think about when carbon started originally it was 2012 and this is before paystack before flutter wave most mm-hmm. people still use checks To go out and say, hey, I want to become a bank, give me money, people think we're crazy, right? But one thing that was not happening was no one's giving out loans. So when we started giving customers loans, people trusted us because we're actually trusting them. And I think that's why it was easier for us to get personal banking adopted by our customers because we already built up some trust. Okay. All
1: right. In the last 10 plus years, uh, what are the top
0: three lessons you've learned about
1: Issuing credits to Nigeria. So I
0: I still think financial education is still very low. I think people don't understand how to borrow. If you ask customers how much they want versus how much they can afford to pay back, you'll get two different answers. So people say, I I want to borrow 3 million naira. Then I'm like, okay, given based on your salary, how much can you pay back? Oh, I can only pay back 20,000 naira a month. Okay, that's a three-year loan. So I I still think that there's still that gap with understanding that loans are not equity. You borrow when you you know that you have a consistent income stream and you don't borrow to build a farm. So that's one. I I think financial education is is still an issue. I, I do think that Nigerians want to pay back. Loans. We have to separate fraud from genuine customers who, who go in and take a loan with all their full information. Because I think there's a lot of fraud in the in the market, but customers actually want to pay back. During COVID, customers couldn't pay back. We still have people two years back still repaying us loans. From 2020 because they genuinely want to not owe people and get on a good credit history sort of ladder what's the third thing i think the third thing is people have very subjective memories customers complain that oh i've paid back etc they they don't realize that just because you pay back but you pay back two three months late does not make you mean you're a good customer and so I, i think that's also probably a legacy from borrowing from friends and family you borrow from friends and family, they might not be a tenor. If I give you money, you' my friend, I give you 200,000 now and I say, look pay me back in two months. you don't pay me back in two months, pay me back in four months. As far as you know I'm concerned, I paid you back. I'm good at least I, I give you your money. With a financial institution, if you pay me back two months later than I anticipated that you that your contract stipulated, I'd have to impair and take a loss on your loan, which has implications for my business. Yes, you pay me back two months later but I already had to record a loss for those two months. So people don't realize there's a cost to paying late. And that's something that, unfortunately, because of the competition, lots of unregulated fintechs coming in, making making it easy for people to borrow. No one is teaching customers how to borrow in a sustainable way. And I think similar to e-commerce where You had Jimmy and Conga, in their desperate need to get customers, were enabling customers to order a TV and pay cash when I see you. So you're taking this TV out, putting it into a van, driving half across Lagos, you haven't collected the money from me. You don't know where I live, and I might not be there. I might say, I don't want to take it anymore. There's been no cost to the customer. And that's why the point about ASOS is ASOS are saying, I'm going to ship to Nigeria, but you must pay me. And lots of Nigerians were doing that a lot back in the day where they were just buying from ASOS, they're buying from AliExpress. They weren't doing cash on delivery. And I think businesses sometimes need to hold the fort and say, you know what? We're not going to make it easy for customers because it's it's not, it's not actually going to spoil the market. I think almost like even free services, like free transfers. One thing I always, why we started Carbon was when I was 18 years old, I got a credit card. The bank sent me a credit card and said, here's your pre-approved for 1,500 pounds. When I moved to South Africa at 23, I got a credit card and I got a fuel card. A fuel card was basically I can go and buy petrol for the whole month and then I'll settle up at the end. And then at 26, I got a mortgage from another South African bank at 26 years old. Right, I got a mortgage. Now, these banks, and even today, South African banks are not the cheapest banks. I didn't care. You're giving me credit. You're giving me a mortgage. What is 2 naira or 5 naira or 10 naira when you're actually allowing me to buy a house? You're allowing me that I can drive for a month and not pay for fuel, and then I sort it out. The problem with Nigerian banking was never really about the cost. Personally, I, I think so. The issue was they weren't giving us anything. And I say this all the time is a transfer fee is 10-9, 10/29. How many transfers do you actually do in a month? Maybe 20, maybe 30. That's what, 150 naira. If I have a customer that's so price-sensitive like that, how can I make money from them? How much money can I make from a customer that's so price-sensitive? Instead, I like to focus on value. If I give you loans, you can use them to spread out your payments. I'll make more money from you, but I also provide more value. And you shouldn't really care about fees. There's one digital bank, I will not mention their name, but the one digital bank that actually gives like 10% discounts at certain restaurants, Certain places, and but they charge fees. One day, I took out the whole product team. I use this digital bank. I use their card. I think I saved thirty thousand naira. I saved thirty thousand naira, taking out my team. So when I'm paying twenty naira for that transfer, I don't mind because they saved me thirty thousand naira or thirty thousand naira back in one transaction. So it's really about I think. Nigerian customers need to think about value more because I think that's a more sustainable way. And you see more businesses, more, more fintech businesses surviving if we actually focus on value. Because right now, everyone's, it's a race to the bottom and the customers are, you know, to be fair to the customer, if you're offering me free services, I'll take it. But doesn't mean I, I, will, I will still be loyal unless there's something else. Okay, uh,
1: final question would be, what's one thing, today, that like one trend that you think would completely change how um,
0: lending is done in Nigeria? It doesn't have to be technology too. One trend that will completely change lending? Yeah. Hmm. That's a tough one. I think the macroeconomy in Nigeria, I won't call it a trend, but I, I do think that it is forcing people to rethink how they spend money. You, you had a situation where price of petrol just went up dramatically. The Naira devalued over 100%, um, went from 600 to it's now like 1,400. So things that were affordable to you are no longer as affordable or affordable at all. So in the short term, you're going to have to look for how can I supplement my income or manage my budget? And I think people are going to turn more to credit. Now, in the long term, maybe people might say, you know what I'm going to do without I'm gonna do without this completely. But I think in the short term, and the short term could be a couple of years, people are gonna say, you know what, I'm actually gonna borrow money because I I need to drive my car, I need to go to the office, but this petrol is is too expensive. And we're seeing signs of that. We're seeing people that wouldn't borrow before because either they, they felt they didn't want to or they didn't need to, they're now coming slowly into the market. And I think once you get that, once you get used to it, then I think it becomes, I think you'll see a new trend of borrowers coming in. That's my personal opinion.
1: Okay. Let's see. I
0: guess we will see how that goes
1: over the next few years. So thank you so much for such an interesting conversation.
0: Thank you very much.